welcome Nationals fans to episode 21 of the Curly W Live podcast. My name is Kyle Brostowitz and I'm coming to you from the Curly W Live studios here at Nationals Park. Thank you once again for checking in and listening to the podcast. Uh, remember you can listen to this episode and all past episodes through our blog, which is curlyw.mlblogs.com, and through iTunes by searching Washington Nationals Podcasts. As we mentioned in our last episode, that's a slight change from what um, we originally started doing and what we've kind of done in the past, and um, that is because thanks to our friends at Major League Baseball Advanced Media, you can now find the podcast on even more platforms, including, uh, like I said, iTunes, but also Art19, Blueberry, CastBox, Google Podcast, Overcast.fm, Player.fm, Podbean, Podcast Republic, Podknife, Radio Public, and Stitcher. So um, be sure to um, check out all those options if need be. So on today's episode, we have one interview, um, that is with right-handed pitcher James Bork, who was recently added to Washington's 40-man roster. Uh, He's coming off a really strong season in which he went 4-2 with six saves and a 1.7 ERA uh, in 41 games between Potomac and Harrisburg. Among Nationals minor leaguers with at least 50 innings pitched this year, so pretty much all of them, he led the organization in strikeouts per nine innings at 12.9 and hits allowed per nine innings at 5.09. Uh, he ranked third in the system in ERA at 1.7, so really, really strong year out of uh, the reliever who was selected uh, in the 2014 first-year player draft. So uh, he transitioned to the bullpen full-time in 2018, um, had a really good year, uh, 169 opponent batting average, 76 strikeouts, 26 walks. He did a really good job in Harrisburg. Uh, pitched to a 092 ERA, struck out 24 batters. We talked to him a lot about his successes in 2018. Um, like I mentioned, he made the move from starter to reliever. Um, so we talked about what went into that transition, how it was all different for him, um, how he experienced so much success in that first year in that role. So um, we talked about who he is as a pitcher, uh, his repertoire, his um, mentality. You know, he mentioned a lot or a couple times his admiration of Max Scherzer and and how we got on that subject is, uh, you know, if you've been listening to the podcast this fall, I've been asking guys um, who they watched growing up. And James talked about growing up outside of Detroit and watching Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer, not necessarily, not necessarily for their talents, um, which obviously we all know about, but their um, their makeup, their intensity, their work ethic, That's those are all qualities that um, he admired and what he has been trying to replicate through his professional career. So all in all, I thought it was a pretty interesting conversation with someone that um, Nationals fans have get to really learn from or learn about or hear from so i hope you enjoy it fans will get to meet james uh, for the first time this weekend at winterfest uh, which takes place saturday and sunday at nationals park Uh, james will be there with a bunch of other teammates so visit nationals.com winterfest for tickets and information so uh, without further ado here's episode 21 of the curly w live podcast with james bork enjoy all right we are joined on the podcast by one of the newest members of washington's uh, 40-man roster james bork We've been doing a lot of podcasts on the or with the Arizona Fall League guys, but um, you know James didn't play in the Fall League this year. But it was a good chance for us to get fan, let fans uh, get to know James a little bit, as he's like I said, one of our newest members of our forty man roster. So uh, welcome to the podcast, James. Thanks for having me, Kyle. Uh, James is a uh, Michigan alum, so we appreciate you uh, taking the time to join us after that tough Saturday. Uh, did you watch the game? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, hey, you know, you're going right after the. Uh, heartstrings here but yeah that was uh i uh unfortunately watched that game and uh you know uh struggled like every other michigan fan to, yeah. to get through it but um you know it's uh out of my control so i'm, I'm trying to uh forget about it for the next few days yeah that, that, that's that's a good approach of course james was a 14th round pick out of the university of michigan in 2014 now 
uh, from a baseball standpoint, is the rivalry there when you guys faced off in baseball, or is it is it is it a little bit less intense, or what, what what's it like there when you guys face off on the on the baseball diamond? Yeah, I think that it's. Um, I mean, obviously, football that's where the rivalry is most intense. Um, unfortunately, baseball with the scheduling, uh, we didn't play them every year, so okay. I only got to play them. Uh, one game my freshman year, and then we played a series with them my junior year. Uh, I mean, it's definitely still, uh, you know, a rivalry, and it's a game that, you know, both sides are getting up for. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'd be, you know, I'd, I'd be lying if I said it was quite the same as the, uh, as the football <laughs> as the team. Football, yeah, that's understandable. James, like I said, he was selected in the 14th round of the 2014 draft, so this was his fifth professional season in Washington system, and it, and it was um, a very strong 2018 season. He went four and two with six saves and a 1.70 RA. Um, and like I said, he was added to the 40 man roster following, um, the 2018 season. So, um, tell me a little bit about your 2018 season in general. You know, what, what worked for you this year? How would you assess 2018? Um, uh, I mean, you know, for me, it was definitely a, a huge step in the right direction. Um, I think the, uh, switch to full-time reliever, um, really helped me out. And, yeah, you know, once I kind of got comfortable after that first month or so and, and kind of got a routine, um, you know, then it was it was a lot easier for me. I could kind of relax a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, obviously there's things that I, I still need to work on. But uh, overall, I was I was pretty pleased with the how the 2018 season ended up. You mentioned the um, the transition to the relief role. You've been mainly a starter. Uh, you relieved in college, it looks like, and then you started uh, in the Nationals minor league system your first couple of years. Um, so, what were some of your keys going into 2018? You mentioned the routine. Was that kind of the biggest? change for you um you know maybe nest not not on that every five-day routine but maybe you could pitch every couple days yeah i mean you know it's it's something that i did a little bit in college but in college i kind of uh, you know was doing both all the mm-hmm. time starting relieving um so yeah i think getting an idea of how to treat your arm um you know how you go about throwing every day um and i think for me it was you know starting you have you know you pitch every fifth day so you have four days to sit and think about your last outing and, um, you know, I think for me, uh, that's a lot of time to overanalyze. I got gotcha. you. Uh, okay. So I think the switch to reliever, um, you know, it's, it's, hey, if you have a bad day, it's like the next day, you know, the pitching coach comes around and says, hey, how's the arm feel? Are you good to go? And it's like, yeah, I'm ready to go. And so you have to kind of lock back in every day. So mm-hmm. um, I think that, you know, once I got the physical routine down and, and uh, the timing of everything, uh, I think that, you know, that kind of mindset switch uh, really helped me out. And you uh, saved uh, six games this year. Was, was the mentality you had as a closer different than um, some of your other outings, or did you know you were going to be closing that night? How did you go about bouncing back and forth between those roles? Um, so in Potomac, I, I knew that, you know, for the most part I was coming in if it was, you know, tied or we had a, a lead in like the eighth or ninth inning. Um, but really it was – I kind of had the same mindset every time I went out there, and it. You know, you, you can't really uh, let everything else affect what you're trying to do. You really have to focus on, you know, all right, what am I trying to do with this pitch um, and, and just take it pitch by pitch. I know it's cliche, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, that really is how you have to think. If you let, um, you know, where the runners are or the inning affect you, then you start thinking about things that really, uh, you know, are only going to negatively affect how you perform. So um, I think that, you know, when I went up to Harrisburg, I, um, you know, I was kind of, in that seventh inning-ish role. Um, so it wasn't like, you know, I had no idea when I was coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it was 
but for me, it was the same thing. It was like, you know, what am I trying to do? Um, you know, you have to be, you have to acknowledge if, you know, there's runners on or the situation. But uh, for me, it was really, I need to get my job done and I'm going to do it. And if it's the seventh inning, great. And if it's the ninth inning in a one run game, then perfect. Uh, you mentioned your, your promotion to Harrisburg. You didn't slow down when you went there. Uh, 092 ERA, uh, 24 strikeouts, only allowed 200 runs the whole time you were there. Um, what did you learn about yourself as a pitcher in that um, transition um, or in that promotion? And was there something that you, you know, kind of realized when you got there, hey, I need to get better at this, or, um, you know, I'm in a, good, a pretty good position? What, what was that promotion and that move to the Eastern League like for you? Um, I think that, you know, when people talk about transitions uh, to levels, I think most people say that the biggest jump is from high A to double A, and then obviously from double A to the major leagues. Um, but I think that, you know, just keeping that routine and doing the same stuff I did in high A. Um, you know, that was kind of what I was focused on. And, it, you know, every day I went into the uh, game and I tried to have that same confidence that I had. And um, I felt like if I did what I was supposed to do, then the results would be there. Um, I mean, the hitters were definitely a step up. And, um, you know, a lot more mistake pitches get hit or put in play. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it was it was one of those things I think people kind of, hype it up and if you let that get to your head then you know you might have some some poor results but um i really just try to do the exact same stuff uh that i was doing in high a and then kind of you know look to some of the veteran guys uh and see how they you know approach the game and and everything like that so um yeah it really was more just trying to do the same stuff and and you know let all the you know the pitching just take care of itself now, uh, one thing I noticed about your numbers in Harrisburg, um, how strong you were against left-handed batters. Uh, relatively small sample size, but it's still pretty impressive. They went 5 for 41 against you. You didn't allow any extra base hits, uh, 16 strikeouts, just one walk. Um, was there something specific about that success that you kind of grasped onto or pinpointed during your time, or was it you know just a good run and you were hot for a couple weeks And when you were facing left-handed batters? What, what was it about that run you went on? Uh, well, I think my, my breaking ball kind of, plays well to lefties um it's kind of like a hard curveball so um usually curveballs are a little bit more effective with lefties going you know righty on lefty um rather than a slider and i just think that you know i was in a a pretty good groove with the curveball and i i knew that i could um kind of get people to swing over it uh and then also i think to just having someone on you know in that side of the batter's box um kind of just made me focus on really getting through the plate and uh not trying to do too much with the fastball or really trying to yank the curveball. Um, so, yeah, I didn't even really notice the, the splits until the end of the year, but um, I think they were better. I had better numbers against lefties than righties. Yeah, you were definitely um, reverse splits, so, especially so, in Harrisburg. Yeah, so uh, I think it was just, you know, maybe it was something I didn't really notice and I need to, you know, kind of figure out how to corral that and right. use it against righties as well. Um, but, yeah, I just think that, you know, the, the fastball-curveball combo – um, kind of played well, and then, uh, yeah. Once you get in a groove, then it's you have some confidence with it. Is is deception part of your uh, delivery as a as a reliever? I know it, it can be that can be something that relievers rely on heavily. Is deception and kind of is there any crossfire motion with you, or are you pretty are you pretty direct to the plate? Uh, I, I think that most people would say that I have a uh, a bit of a different uh, motion and wind up. 
Um, it's definitely not traditional. It's kind yeah. of, I don't think anyone would describe it as smooth. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, when talking to hitters about it, um, you know, I, they, they say that that can definitely add some, you know, some deception. So, um, you know, it, it's not like I'm purposely doing it. It's just kind of how I throw. But, you know, hey, if it, if it helps it works, me out, then yeah, great. Um, that kind of leads me to my next, you know, line of questions with you is, um, for fans that may not have seen you at Potomac or, or Harrisburg, um, you know, give us give them a scouting report on James Bork. What are what are your strengths? What are they going to see when they um, come watch you pitch? You mentioned the delivery, but you know, as a pitcher, what are they going to see out of you? Um, well, you know, I think that I'm going to try and you know attack hitters with the fastball, and um, you know, I think that one thing I'm going to do is try and and uh, kind of do what Sean Doolittle does with his fastball and try and get it to have that appearance of rise okay. and, uh, you know, test guys out and, and make them prove that they can time up the fastball and then, uh, you know, come with the breaking ball uh, pretty often. I think I'm about 50-50 split with fastball curveball, so I do throw the curveball a lot. Um, so, yeah, I think that, you know, they're going to see early in the count. I'm going to try and, you know, like like most pitchers, I'm really going to try and get ahead and, and challenge them and then, uh, you know, when I, if I can get 0-2 or 1-2, then I'm uh, pretty confident in, in, you know, being able to put hitters away and, and keep them off balance. When you were growing up uh, in Michigan, who who did you watch? Who were you a fan of? Did you or did you try to model your game after or any pitchers growing up? Um, so you know, growing up uh, in kind of Metro Detroit, you uh, I always got to watch Tigers games. So I actually okay. got to watch uh, Verlander and Scherzer when they were on the Tigers, and oh, I think. Nice. Watching those guys, I mean, with Scherzer, it's just obviously, he, you know, all the, the stuff is there, the pitches are there, but um, really how he competes mm-hmm. and, you know, when he goes out there, he's giving it everything he can. Um, you know, he does it for, you know, nine innings. Right. Um, and then, yeah, with, with Verlander, it was, you know, the, um, uh, you know, he somehow had this ability to kind of like ease himself into the game and then at the end of the game be the strongest. And kind of the same thing, you know, just like gritty and competing and really wanted to be out there, wanted the ball. Um, so I think growing up watching them, that's, you know, it, there wasn't really mechanics or anything, but it was the, the attitude. Um, you know, I really enjoyed watching those guys. All right, well, come spring training, you'll, you'll be able to get a good uh, up-close-and-personal look at, at Max and how he goes about his work. And, um, you know, for us, it's been a pleasure watching him on, on this end of his career. Um, like you said, it's, the stuff is amazing and the talent is there, but the, the attitude and the work ethic, um, it's no shock that he is who he is because of that, you know, those, those attributes. So it's a good, good thing that you already kind of recognize that. And hopefully during spring training, you can, it can rub off on you a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. Now, um, I've been asking all the fall league guys, so I figured I'd ask you the same thing. Um, your favorite moments of 2018, uh, one, how about you give me one team, moment that you really enjoyed and one personal moment that really stuck out to you in 2018? Um, well, I'm, I'm sure that if you talk to the fall league guys, uh, you know, I got, I was teammates with them for a good, a uh, good part of the year. Uh, so clinching the first half was pretty cool. Yep, they uh, said that. I'd done that once before. Yeah. First half of the Carolina league. Yep. Um, so I'd done that once before in Hagerstown, but I was only with that team for about two weeks before. Okay. Uh, whereas, you know, in Potomac, I was there the whole time. So, you know, it was it was pretty cool being able to uh, accomplish that, you know, with that group of guys. It was, you know, we were really tight. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and then obviously getting to do the uh, the celebration 
in the clubhouse afterwards and for the fans that were there. Um, that was that was a blast. And then uh, personally, I don't know. I think that um, you know I was so focused on on baseball and like you know the baseball side of things and really making sure I was doing everything right um, that I kind of didn't really look back on the 2018 year from a uh, you know personal standpoint but uh you know 2018 was the first year i ever got promoted uh in the middle of the year so um yeah so i think that was probably like the top moment for me was just you know i'd never been called into the office and said hey you know congrats you're going up (laughs) uh so you know taking that next step getting to double a um that was that was a pretty cool moment all right cool that's that's a very interesting take on things that's one we haven't heard quite yet so um and of course as we mentioned in the intro um Nationals Winterfest is this weekend here at Nats Park, and, and James will be attending uh, for uh, Saturday and Sunday. So it'll be cool to meet you. I'm sure the fans are excited to get to know one of their new players now. Have you ever been to D.C.? I have, yeah. So, uh, you know, getting to play a season and a half in Hagerstown and then yeah. another half season in Potomac, I was pretty close. So on some of the off days, uh, I got to go up there for a day and kind of, uh, you know, do some of the – I guess tourist, tourist stuff, yep. things and and go to some of the museums. Yeah, so I got I got to walk around. Um, so you know, really like DC and uh, you know, every time I've gone, I've had a good time. Is there? Do you have a favorite monument or favorite museum? Let's see. I went to the uh, Smithsonian, and um, but that was probably I think the only museum I went to. And then honestly, just uh, walking the mall was exactly, yeah. was kind of nice and, and peaceful and. And, uh, you know, getting to kind of take in all the history and all the different monuments, um, I would say those those two were the top things. All right. Well, it's good you had some experience with D.C. Like I said, Nationals fans this weekend at Winterfest, you'll get to meet James and um, a bunch of other uh, players will be around. And, uh, James, I appreciate you taking the time to join the podcast, and we will see you this weekend. Absolutely. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks again to James for joining us. We will see him this weekend at Winterfest and then uh, again in West Palm Beach for 2019 spring training. If you see me this weekend at Winterfest, feel free to say hi. We love hearing from our listeners. So for all Winterfest information, like I mentioned earlier, visit nationals.com slash Winterfest. And then following Winterfest, we roll into the baseball winter meetings, which take place December 9th through 13th in Las Vegas. As baseball fans, uh, you know that news can break at any time, at any minute during uh, that very important week. So be sure to stay tuned to our channels uh, and W Live for any breaking news. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, the podcast is now available on many spots, so be sure to check those out if uh, necessarily. If not, keep visiting our blog, which is curlyw.mlblogs.com. So thanks again, Nationals fans, for listening. We will see you next time on the Curly W Live podcast.